It's uh, it's incredible to watch that video. Uh, it's honestly a little bit surreal, definitely a little bit overwhelming. There's so many memories that come racing across my mind, the faces of so many people, and I, I can't speak for all of you, but for me, this last year has just been such a blast. I, I almost have to pinch myself. Like I literally cannot believe that I get to do this for a living. I can't believe a year has, has already gone by, and man, what a year it has been. I, I want you all to know, and I probably don't say this often enough, uh, I count it such a privilege that, that God would have chosen me to, to lead this church. Uh, it, it's such an honor to even be standing in front of you guys right now, uh, to be called your pastor. I have no idea. I'm not just saying this for the sake of false humility or because it's our one year. Like I have no idea why God has decided to show this church so much favor. Uh, I'm certainly glad that he has. (laughs) I hope that he continues to do so well in the future and you have my word. I'll just kind of do my best to stay out of the way and make sure that he keeps getting all of the credit. Now, before I get too far into this, uh, I do just want to say thank you for showing up here today. We are so glad that you decided to walk through our doors. If this is your first time with us, we want to extend you a very special welcome. Every single week, we have people that come through and, and walk through our doors for the very first time, and we certainly don't take that for granted. So whether you're here today to support somebody that's maybe getting baptized, uh, maybe you're here today because you saw something on Facebook, maybe somebody personally invited you. Maybe you saw a billboard. I don't really care why you're here. I'm just really glad that you decided to show up here today. And our prayer is that you'll keep coming back because I think you'll find that this is a pretty safe place. It's a place that you can ask those questions about faith and spirituality that we inevitably all have circling around in our heads. I hope that this is a place that you'll maybe take your next step towards God, whatever that might look like. That this is a place that you'll begin to explore what it actually means to have a relationship with God. Now, I'll also say this. If this is your first time with us, you might be thinking right now, like, what the heck did I walk into today? Because admittedly, today maybe feels a little bit different than another Sunday, which is maybe another reason I would encourage you to come back because every single week has kind of its own flair, its own unique differences to it. But obviously, we are celebrating our one year. It's crazy to think that just a little bit over a year ago, this place literally did not exist that on January 14th of 2018, we held our first public service and it's just kind of been off to the races ever since. And as I was preparing for this and as I was thinking about this and I'm like, gosh, it was just, again, it was really, really kind of overwhelming. I tried to jot down and write down some wins as we call them among our staff, kind of some of the highlights, the things that stick out to me. Now, I could literally take like four or five, six hours and do this and I doubt you guys want to hear me just ramble for that long. So I tried to make it a fairly succinct list. These are kind of some of the big things that stand out in my mind. You actually saw some of those things in that video just now as well. Uh, To date, we have received, since our launch, 528 Connect cards, those little cards that they talked about. Isn't that crazy? So you can do the math. I didn't do the math, but 528 times 5, that's how much money has gone back to schools. That's how many new people, again, a lot of those people are new people, have walked through our doors. That's pretty exciting. Grumlaw kids, you, you're going to hear some of their shouts through that wall because it's not as soundproof as we would probably like. But uh, th- that, that is just one kind of big highlight in my mind. One of the big things that we hear around here is that the reason that you come back is not really because I'm such a good communicator or because our music is so great. It's because your kids wanted to come back. And so you found your butt right back in the seat time and time again, and then maybe God started to do some things in your life, but they are just crushing it back there. I'm not saying this again for the sake of the moment. That's the best thing that we have going on at Grumlaw, by far. Taylor, who leads that, is just knocking it out of the park. I mean, the volunteers back there are just dynamite, so incredible. Over 50% of the people that show up here uh, regularly on a Sunday morning are in a connect group. 
Uh, connect groups are the most important thing that we do here, believe it or not, uh, here at Grumlaw. It's not sitting, sitting here on Sunday mornings because it's when you get out of a row and you get into a circle that we see real life change actually begin to happen in people's lives. And so again, uh, we have over 50% of the people are in a connect group. Our goal, uh, I'll tell you, is that 100% of the people that show up here would eventually get involved in a connect group as well. We have nine connect groups right now. There's gonna be three more launching here in just a couple of weeks. So if you're not in one, you'll have an opportunity to sign up for one. Uh, we launched a middle school program this past fall, which is crazy. Again, like never thought in our first year that we would have a program to specifically offer to middle school students. That's led by Kat Kim, and she's just knocking it out of the park. If you have a middle schooler that lives in your home, make them go to that. It's on Sunday nights. They'll have the time of their lives. As you saw in that video, we have 125 people that are serving on a team. Like if you would have told me after a year that we had 125 people showing up, I think I would have been fairly excited about that. But to think that we have 125 people that are actually on a team, again, is just crazy. Now, don't, let you, that, don't allow that to, to make yourselves think that, okay, you have enough people. Believe it or not, as you can see around you, we're growing. We still need more people. But again, crazy, 125 people on a team. Uh, we had our first Christmas services just a couple of weeks ago, and those were a fun uh, couple of services. 599 people showed up. I have to think that somebody was pregnant. I wish I could say 600, but for the sake of integrity, 599 people showed up to that. Uh, we gave away, as we saw, as you saw there, over $100,000 this year. And uh, we wanted to be really intentional from day one of not being a church that asks for something from the community, but gives something back and gives something to, to around the world. Because so often churches seem like that they're after something from other people. But we always want to be marked by our generosity. So that's just the beginning of that. And then the last thing I jotted down here, and, and again, you saw it in there, including today, 27 people will have gone public with their faith. And uh, that's obviously why we're doing this, so that people are moving towards God and Jesus is transforming lives. So that's really exciting. And, and obviously, I, I don't have time to do this, but there are so many conversations, there are so many emails, there are so many texts that stand out in my mind. People who have finally given God control of everything in their lives, including their finances, which typically for Americans is kind of the last thing that people will hand over. Uh, uh, marriages that have been restored over this past year because they finally decided to put God at the center of their relationship, anxiety and worry that has plagued people for years and years and years, and they're finally experiencing freedom from that through Jesus. Countless people that have been literally looking for community for their entire lives, and they finally found it now among a group of people that are also taking their next step towards God. So many people that have been restored, so many better people that have been transformed because of Jesus. Let's make sure that he gets the credit because of how God has ultimately decided to work through this church. And, and here's what I'm really, really confident of. In fact, I'm, I'm kind of irrationally confident of this, that he's just getting started, that God is just getting started. I 100% believe that we have not seen anything yet, that it's totally appropriate for us on a day like today to celebrate and get really excited about the ways that he's shown up, up and shown off over this past year, but this is just the tip of the iceberg. God's just getting started, that the evidence that God is definitely behind this, it's overwhelming at this point. In fact, I'll go so far as to say it's undeniable. Before we ever held our first public service, again, back in January of 2018, God's fingerprints were all over this. And all we have seen over this last year is God's provision and God's faithfulness come through over and over and time and time again. And in fact, on our first Sunday ever, I said, and I wasn't kidding, that God has this whole thing rigged. That when God is behind something, there's no slowing it down. That God's hand cannot be forced. 
And his will cannot be thwarted. His will cannot be stopped. You're not going to slow him down. When God is behind something, fall in line or get out of the way. Opposing him will only prove to be foolishness. I, I think maybe the greatest example of this that I could think of anyway as I, as I prepared for this, broadly stated is kind of the rise of the early Christian church. And, and if you're skeptical of this whole Christianity thing, maybe you're one of these people, and these people sit in our seats every single week, and I promise it doesn't make me feel bad, that you don't really want to be here today. Like your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your mom or your dad, or your grandpa or grandma, they kind of gave you that look, or they might have even given you that idle threat, like you're coming with, to church with me today, or, and then they said that thing, and you're like, oh crud, I think they're actually serious. So you're sitting here. So even if you don't want to be here, if you're skeptical of this whole Christianity thing, you should really pay attention to this stuff. Christianity as a movement should have never made it out of the first century. The persecution and the opposition that Christianity faced in that first century, it is overwhelming. It's staggering. Other movements, religions, cults, they, they have faced far less opposition and we never hear of them again. That They're gone almost as quickly as they appear. But by a quick show of hands, who knows who this is? Anybody know who that is? Seriously, not one of you? Nobody knows who that is? Okay, I'll give you a hint. It starts with an M. An M is in Mary. Okay, it starts with an M. Now who knows who it is? Still, not a Zuma? No, that's not correct. No, not, not one of you. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you who it is. It's Marduk. Everybody's heard of Marduk before, right? Still nothing? Yeah, that, that's, I'm not surprised by that. Marduk, this guy right here, was the patron deity of ancient Babylon. I'm talking about the most powerful nation in the ancient world, and this is the god that the people of Babylon, that the rulers of Babylon, that the kings, this is who the people of Babylon bowed down to. This is who the people of Babylon worshiped. Everybody in the ancient world, whether they believed in him or not, whether they worshiped him or not, they all knew who Marduk was. He was a household name. If you walked around with this picture, if you walked around with the sculpture of Marduk, everybody would have been able to tell you, yeah, that's Marduk. So how is it that the God of the most powerful nation on the face of the ancient world is so incredibly irrelevant now. How is it that, I mean, I've spent a lot of time outside of the state of Michigan because of what my dad did for a living growing up. Like, I've seen most of the United States. I've had a chance to travel much of the world. I cannot tell you a single time that I've been driving around and I saw a statue of Marduk. I don't know a single time where I saw people gathering up on Sunday mornings or any other day of the week for that matter, and they were gathering together to talk about and worship and bow down to Marduk. Never heard of people getting together in their homes for small, small groups to dissect the teachings of Marduk. How is it that a God that was once on the forefront of so many people's minds, how, how is it a God that was once so relevant in our world is suddenly gone that none of you have even heard of him before? It's not really a, a trick question. It's because the minute that Babylon fell, so did Marduk. As went the nation, so went their God. If Babylon and its leadership and its kings fell, well, guess what? Marduk suddenly lost credibility. And guess what? This isn't unique to Marduk. This is actually the pattern of every God and every religion and every cult that we see suddenly pop up, and just like that, it is gone. But ironically, and you ought to pay attention to this stuff, this is staggering. When it comes to Jesus, the complete opposite happens. It's like God's hand can't be forced and his will can't be thwarted. Let me explain. As it turns out, and, and as we have all actually seen in our own lives, old habits die hard. And when Jesus came to earth, he did not come to add on. He did not come to supplement, but to replace and render the old obsolete. And the old that I'm referring to is Judaism. 
He, he came to render, render Judaism obsolete. And it turns out that the leaders in particular in the Jewish community did not care very much for the idea that suddenly everything that they've ever known and everything that they've ever stood for is suddenly now being rendered obsolete. And so after Jesus leaves earth, after he ascends into heaven, the disciples now have this daunting task of taking the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. This small group of uneducated tradesmen, tax collectors and fishermen and carpenters, people that had virtually no influence in society are now tasked with this idea of taking the message of Jesus and his teachings all around the ancient world. And again, if you're skeptical of Christianity, you can't breeze by this stuff. It's crazy. The fact that every single one of you, regardless of how often or how infrequently you attend church, all know who Jesus is. The fact that you have all heard of Christianity is crazy when you consider the fact that, again, this small group of people who had zero influence in the world were responsible for carrying on this message. It's kind of like, again, God's hand can't be forced and his will can't be thwarted. And again, because old habits die hard, the religious leaders of the day, the people in the Jewish community, they didn't really care for the idea that these uneducated people, these, in, these people that don't have any influence are suddenly going around telling everybody, hey, you don't have to pay attention to this stuff anymore. It's why we call it the Old Testament. It, it's, it's old. When you get a new phone, you don't just say, hey, that's, that, that's, like, that's my previously used phone. You call that your old phone. And so all these people are coming along, th- th- these followers of Jesus, and they're saying, this stuff's old. You don't have to pay attention to it anymore. You know how you used to have to follow 613 laws? You don't actually have to follow any of those anymore because Jesus came along and he made it so much simpler that the way that you are called righteous and the way that you are called approved is not based on all these laws. It's not based on perfectly following those 613 rules. It's so much much easier than that. Do you have faith? Did you put your faith? Do you believe in Jesus? And just like that, you get a right standing. And again, the people in the Jewish community, they didn't really like this, so they do what only seems natural. They start arresting and killing Christians. And it begins with a guy that goes by the name of Stephen at about 34 AD. He is the first martyr for the Christian faith because Stephen wouldn't shut up because he was a simple man. If a guy predicts his own death and he predicts his own resurrection and it actually happens, he was just going to go with whatever that guy said. And he kept telling people about Jesus despite all the threats, despite all the, Stephen, you better be quiet or else. He kept telling people and so eventually they killed him and it began this wave of persecution against Christianity and the early Christian church. In fact, it's recorded for us in the book of Acts, which is this book that we find in the second half of this book that we call the Bible. And uh, it documents the rise of the early Christian church. It says, a great wave of persecution began that day, starting with the killing of Stephen, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. And just like that, it became popular. Even more than that, it became acceptable to hunt down, to arrest, to kill Christians. And so, because Christianity is just like every other movement, the next thing it says here is, shortly thereafter, the movement we know as Christianity ceased to exist. The end. Okay, a couple of you are like, that doesn't seem right. It's not right. I made this up, okay? You're all smarter than that to know that that is not actually what happens. And as ridiculous as that made-up verse sounds, and it is completely made up, it's actually quite logical 
because that's what always happens with movements and religions and cults when they begin to face this level of opposition. We don't have time to dive into the full extent of the persecution that the early Christian church began to face. Again, sparked by the killing of Stephen. I challenge you to go read about this stuff for yourself, but it should have ended it. It should have tied a bow on it. Christianity should have ceased to exist, but there's this factor in all this. God's hand can't be forced, and his will cannot be thwarted. God, in fact, and again, (laughs) think about this, God used the very persecution that was supposed to terminate, that was supposed to end Christianity. He used that same persecution to spread Christianity all around the ancient world. And Jesus' final words to his disciples and his final words to his apostles, like literally minutes before he ascends into heaven, he says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But see, the followers of Jesus, they were struggling with this all the nations part. They didn't really want to get out of their comfort zones. They didn't want to leave their own backyards. They didn't want to go talk to people that they really didn't know that much about. See, their entire lives, they've been kind of trained to think that everywhere outside of Jerusalem, everywhere outside of Israel, that those people all kind of had cooties. So they didn't want to go out and begin to tell this message to all those people. They weren't really keen on the idea of going to all the nations. But then as we just talked about, persecuting and killing and arresting Christians becomes popular. So if you remember, it says they were scattered. And rather than persecution killing Christianity, which is what persecution always does with movements and religions, it instead, it takes Christianity to all the nations, including me and you. I I want you to think about that for a second. The reason that you all know who Jesus is, the reason that Christianity is a household term is because Christians were persecuted. It forced the disciples, it forced the followers to get out of their backyards and take the message to people who were nothing like them. That's interesting, right? I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like, you're gonna get sick of me saying this, it's almost like God's hand can't be forced and his will can't be thwarted. And that same first century movement that could not be stopped is still alive today. And even more importantly, the same God that was behind that movement, that the same God that took persecution and rather than it destroying Christianity, that same God that took persecution to spread the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth is still steering the ship. That the same God that rose Jesus from the grave, the same God that gave us the opportunity to be made right with him through his son is the same God, believe it or not, that is behind this church right here in Grand Blank, Michigan. And as I said when I first jumped up here, he's just getting started. And I can't speak for all of you, but for me, that gets me pretty dang excited. I am so thankful that God would allow me to be a part of what he is doing. But, but it's not just me and God hanging out in this community that we call Grumlaw. There's this whole mess of people 
<laughs> this is an incredible group of people that are seeing God move in their own lives. They're seeing God move in the lives around them. And, and as I stand, as I sit before you today, I want to invite you to be a part of what God is doing. Not what I'm doing, not what our staff is doing, not what this crazy group of people are doing, but to be a part of what God is doing. There's this letter that we have preserved for us called, called Hebrews, and we actually don't really know who wrote Hebrews, but it was written as a form of encouragement to, again, th these people that were converting to Christianity in the first century, and suddenly the going's getting a little bit tougher again because of all the persecution and opposition, and, and this letter was written to them to kind of say, okay, hey, listen, stay the course, like, hey, you, you can still do this, run the race, you know, this kind of language, and it's so pertinent to what we're talking about today. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, and how applicable is that to our lives? For any of you that, that identify as Christian, people watch you like a hawk. They're trying to see if you're gonna screw up. But because there are so many people that are around you that watch your every move, maybe we should live a little bit differently. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Let's get rid of that stuff in our lives that we know, again, take God out of the equation, that we know it's not even what's best for us. Let's get rid of those moments where we have when we wake up and we look in the mirror and we're like, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? Let's get rid of all these sins, these things that have been burying us and holding us down literally since we were in high school. Let's strip off every weight. Let's strip off everything in our lives that makes Christianity look so incredibly hypocritical. Let's get rid of the judgment. Let's get rid of the gossip. Let's get rid of all of it so that people are, people are drawn to what is going on here. Because the interesting thing as we read about this in scripture is that people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus and apparently he liked them back. Let's live that kind of life. A life that is marked by love, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. This is just the beginning so let's keep running this race. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. It's the only way we'll do it. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Let's not just allow this to be noise on Sunday mornings, but let's begin to live a life that is truly set apart where other people will go, I want whatever that group of people has because that's who Jesus was. People who are nothing like him, liked him because of how he lived his life. Let's strip off everything weighing us down. Let's run the race with endurance. Let's keep our eyes on the prize. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. God is clearly behind this. But in the least cheesy way that I can ask this, are, are you? I posed this question at our first ever Sunday. I'm gonna ask it again. Will you be a part of what God is doing? Will you help us build this? Will you get behind God and wait for the best time of your life? We don't have to. We get to. We don't need you. This place will not rise and fall based or not whether you get involved here. We want you to be a part of this. We don't want you to miss out on what God is doing. Because let's remember, this is a God that is for you. 
So much so that he sent his one and his only son for you. So will you be a part of what God is doing?